0: Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Good morning. Listen, I really encourage all of you to go next door and get some free food. Um, We have like 30 gallons of milk left, so I really need all of you to go and clean that out. All right. If you're not a milk drinker, uh, you have to know somebody that is. Or if you don't need food, I know all of you know someone in your life that does need food. And so let's be the arms and the feet of Jesus right now. And we have a lot of ways here at Storehouse where you can reach out to the community. We want to see the harvest is ripe. I'm telling you, it is ripe. It's not ripe tomorrow. It's actually ripe today. People are so hungry and they're so scared. When we were praying over people uh, in the line, we weren't just praying over them, but we were prophesying over them. And, you know, you would walk up to their car door and you're like, hi, hi can I pray for you? And they were like, okay. And then we started prophesying over them and they're crying and they're like, how did you know that about me? And you're like, it's Jesus. He loves you. He cares about you. So we really care about people encountering Jesus for real. Amen. All right. Next, before I get on with my message, we have this lovely little packet that we printed out, and we wasted a bunch of trees on this, so you need to get one. All right, there's a lot of shaking going on, right? Right? Well, we're to be people of the Word. We're to be people that are led by the Bible, by Scripture. And there are 150 chapters in the Bible that tell us about what to expect in the time of the end, when Jesus is going to be transitioning his people and getting us ready for his return. And so all of these, Jesus was pretty thorough, and he gave us everything we need to know in order to see the signs so we know where we are. Okay, we're not people of emotion, we're people of the word. Can I get an amen? All right, so um, I want you to pick up one of those. You can find um, them. Amory, are they in the information table, or where are they? On the back table, right there at the very back. All right, um, the, uh, the other thing I, I just want to tell you, I was, I was so blessed this morning by how many people came up and how many people participated. You know, the thing about the church is that, again, it's an all play. Everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to participate. And here at Storehouse, we are really not building a church in the typical Western church model, but we are really training an army For the Lord's return. And so God is raising up apostolic training centers. And and his apostolic people, while they are going to be orderly, he is looking for wild people. And I want to give you permission to get on your wild. Because the church has been well behaved about too long. Can I get an amen? We are to be ministers... Who are flames of fire? Okay, I don't know about you, but when I catch on fire, I can't hold still. So I just want to give you permission to uh, be uh, undignified. I think there's a song. I won't (laughs) sing it. They didn't ask me to be on any of the worship teams. It just sounds like, you know, like dead pigs or pigs being murdered up here in the front row when I'm singing. It's just like. Oh, I know. It's beautiful to the Lord. All right, let's get on with it. Y'all ready to roll? All right, so Father, I just thank you for your word. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill my mouth, God. I pray, Father, for the sword of the Lord that would cut between soul and spirit. Father, I pray for wisdom and revelation this morning, and I thank you that you are wild. You are wild, Jesus, and you worshiped your Father in spirit and truth, God. I thank you that you have sent a people that will prepare the way for your return in the spirit of Elijah, God, that we will be wild in love. We will be wild. Wild in worship, and we will be wild in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, amen. Hallelujah is right. All right, um, hold on. I have a mint in my mouth. If I don't swallow this, it's not going to be pretty. It'll come shooting out like a projectile. No, I'm good. All right, we're good. All right, so... I'm doing a series this summer on abiding in Christ, abiding in love. And as we all are very familiar with, I mean, I'm looking at some meat eaters here. And so, as we're familiar with Psalm 91, we pray Psalm 91, we declare Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is actually predicated. It is, it is an if and then scripture. If you abide. Then you benefit of the promises of Psalm ninety one, and since abiding is not a common term, and it's not something that, as the body of Christ, or even as people in that live in two thousand twenty, it's not like that's part of our vernacular. We don't go around and we talk. We don't talk about abiding. You know, I've never heard anybody who's uh, under, you know, I don't know seventy, ever talk about abiding. Maybe everybody in their 70s is like, yep, I've learned to abide. But the rest of us are like, what is that? I'm sorry, how do you do that? So that's really what I want to talk about this summer. I want to talk about what it is to abide in love. And so last week we were, um, in fact, go ahead and turn, in, turn to your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to uh, wrong way, John chapter 15. So you've got John chapters um, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Jesus was pretty wordy before he uh, went to the cross, before the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And so he's talking to his disciples, and he's sharing with them just the deep things of his heart, the things that he needed to tell them before he left. And so it's almost, you can take those chapters almost as a summation of, 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 he takes everything he did, and he said, here's the summary of it. And he basically talks over and over and over about love. And he talks about the love of the Father. And he talks about how much he loves the Father and how much the Father loves him. And so we've talked about this. I encourage you to go back and look at, I think this is our fourth installment on this series. I encourage you to go back and look because the truth is, is Jesus didn't call us to start a religion. He called us back home. To his father, to be in his family, and that he loves us and we have full access to him, full access. All right, John 15. So let's start in, where am I? Oh, I'm in Luke. Oh, hell. All right, hold on. Let me catch up with you. John 15, um, verse 1 I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. If you are already clean, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, and the branch. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And that's something that just really hit me between my eyes. Without me, you can do nothing. And so I want to review a little bit about what we talked last week. Primarily, he said, uh, there is a couple. there are a couple of things going on. Number one, Jesus said, I want you to abide in me. And I, in turn, am going to abide in you so that you will produce fruit that remains in verse 16. So you will produce fruit that remains, meaning this is where eternal, everlasting, never dying fruit comes from. And so what he's saying is he's saying, I am the vine. And you are my branches. I am the source of everything. And you are the expression of that source. In the earth, you are the branches. But when you are connected to the vine, what you do is you are an extension of who I am. In the earth, you're my expression. We, uh, you know, I was. I'm just thinking about uh, Lindsay and her ministry of Lovely and how she goes out to these um, to uh, visit with the dancers in these exotic clubs, and she ministers to them. She goes out to them as the branch. She goes out to them as the expression of Jesus loving these girls. And they are so drawn to her because of this expression, because she is connected to the vine and she's abiding. So what happens is there is a different kind of love that's coming from her. This isn't human love that we're talking about. This isn't human fruit. This is supernatural Zoe life fruit that only comes from that connection from abiding. And so her fruit is eternal. And so everything, no matter, let's say she's sowing into these girls. She's sowing seeds of love. Well, let's say she doesn't actually get to harvest those seeds. Let's say 10, 20 years later, those seeds come to the fullness and someone else comes along and harvests that. That's her, that's her fruit and that fruit will remain forever. So she gets to have that fruit. Amen. All right. So I want to go through real quickly to Psalm 91. You don't have to turn there. Most of you are familiar with it. If you're not familiar with it, you're welcome to turn there. Psalm 91 is our is our prayer for protection and covering Before I really had a life in God before I understood what abiding was I used to declare Psalm 91 all the time. I mean I had it practically memorized every morning I would wake up and I would put myself in first person in Psalm 91 and look beloved that is really good it's good but it's like it's like training wheels you know. But once you move into the reality of Psalm 91 and you're actually abiding, then you're benefiting. Okay, so here are the eight benefits or the eight promises. Number one, I will rescue you. You don't have to write these down. You can, if you read Psalm 91, it's in there. Number two, I will protect you, meaning I am going to protect you from from Rona. Psalm 91. Ain't no rona in my house, okay, or my family, or my church, right? Amen. To those that abide, you're covered under the shadow of his wings, and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not coming near me. I'm abiding. Why? I'm abiding. I have the word of the Lord. It's the promise of the Lord. You can take it to the bank. I will protect you from sickness and disease. Three, I will answer you. I will speak to you. Four, I will be with you in trouble through your afflictions and your distress, through your mourning and your heartache. I will be with you in trouble. Five, I will deliver you. I will keep you safe. Here's the thing what's happening around the world right now, especially in America, everybody's like afraid because they don't feel safe, right? And they think that the government is going to keep them safe. Beloved, let me tell you something. You need to shake that out of your brain. There is no such thing. The only safety is in Christ. Period. I will honor you. Number six. That word actually means I will make you rich and promote you. Praise God. All right. Number seven. I will give you long life. Abundance for the journey. Number eight, I will show you salvation, deliverance, and victory. I love me some deliverance. Don't you love deliverance? You're like, wow, I didn't know I had that. (laughs) Better out than in. That's what Shrek says. All right. So Jesus is giving us a call to abide in him. And he is talking about this. He's talking about a transforming union. He's talking about the union of Christ. And this is again, he didn't come so we could go to church on Sundays and go, oh yeah, okay, three fast songs, two slow songs. They're gonna have, and then we're gonna, I'm gonna listen to a message. I'm telling you, beloved, the days of Church, as we have known it, is over. You are all, all, all being activated and called up. That's why it's important to do things like, okay, I know I work with some people who are unsaved. I'm going to start praying, and I'm going to start asking the Lord, who do you want me to invite to church? All right? And again, it's not about church. It's about getting them up here, laying hands on them, getting them filled with fire, activating them, and sending them out to the streets. Right? Right. So it's a two-fold abiding. By the way, I have 15 pages here. I'm sure we'll be fine. Whatever. Let's pretend like we're the Chinese church. They go for like nine hours of preaching. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be preaching up in um, Otter's Tale, Minnesota, you know, <laughs> at a four-day outdoor conference. And they're like, yeah, so we're hoping you got four days of preaching in you. And I'm thinking, Okay you have no idea. I can talk all day. (laughs) That's my husband. (laughs) All right. Again, he is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. He is saying the supernatural life of God is different than the physical life. God is the author. Yes, he's the author of your physical life, but he is the author of a supernatural life in himself, which he said, I'm going to share this with you. I'm actually going to give you my supernatural life as you abide in me. I mean, think about that. Think about the power of that. I mean, who doesn't want that? I don't know about you, but I'm like, sign me up. Sign me up. I, 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 uh, you know, I would rather do that than hang out with some of these, you know, like some of these uber billionaire people, you know, who can, of course, you know, tutor you or give you wisdom or whatever. I'm like, um, I think abiding is a good idea. All right. So he's talking about an impartation that happens. And I, I I've had to learn this the hard way because a lot of you know my story that, um, you know, when the Lord said, start a house of prayer, I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to do the fun stuff. I want to go and I want to build stuff and I want to talk to people. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to people. And I'm telling you guys, this is the truth. I'm sorry if that hurts your heart because you probably weren't that person, but I was. And so the thought of just sitting in a room and talking to an invisible God, I, I didn't get it. Until then, he kept inviting me into it for like four years. <laughs> Long suffering. He is a good God. And then when I finally just said, oh, okay, all right. <clears throat> How many of you got taken into prayer when you had nothing else to lose? Like I'd lost everything, and so I said, oh, okay, God, I'll give this prayer thing a try. And it was the very essence of all life in my life. And if anybody, if any pastor or preacher would have said that to me, I would have been like, wait a minute, what? What? Wait a minute, what? But you know you can't talk about what you don't do. Did you know that they did a study of pastors in Dallas, Texas? And they spend about 15 minutes a week in prayer. On the average. Which means some of them don't even do that. But our primary goal, our primary purpose, all of us, not just me, I realize I'm called to this place, but you are called to this place. And again, you are the priests of the Most High God out of Isaiah 61. You are the ones that are going to be the light in the darkness. You're the ones that are going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so what he's saying to us is, I will abide in you and you will abide in me. It is the central theme of why Jesus came. And I, uh, I let me review a little bit about last, that we talked about last week. There are three ways that he talked about abiding. Because it's like, okay, abiding, what does that exactly mean? Number one, abiding is talking. Talking to Jesus. And I want to simplify this for you. Do not go to him with a bunch of religious words. It is so simple. Sometimes it looks like, Help, Jesus, I just have no words. I just need help. I just need help. I need you to help me because I hurt so bad. And the only thing I can think to say is help, right? And so, out of your brokenness, just get real with them. A lot of us suffer. And I used to with uh, just being vulnerable before the Lord. Because I thought I had to be somebody to God. And I wore all of these masks. But he's saying, I just I just want you to be real with me. I already know. I already know who you are. I made you. I- I'm not like thinking I made a mistake. That's how much he loves us. And again, let's review a little. Jesus, God loves you the same way with the same Passion as he loves his son. And so he's called us to be fruit bearers. You know, we all think about uh, the purpose and the, we all have a plan. Or God has a plan and a purpose. Yes, he has a plan and a purpose. To bear fruit. To bear fruit that remains. To bear fruit that actually comes from the source. That comes from him. Everything he initiates will remain. The things that he doesn't, don't. So I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about fruit. I don't eat fruit because I'm always on keto. (laughs) But... If I did eat fruit, blueberries, strawberries, okay, come on, what else, blackberries, green apples, pineapple, okay, see, all right, this is really a glorious reality for weak and broken people. He's not looking for superstars. He's not looking for super spiritual people. He's looking for kids that understand how to abide. And we look at some of what's happening with this deception. By the way, I did a teaching called Deception 2020. I encourage you to go get it. You'll be thoroughly offended. And then pass it around to your friends. They'll be offended too. Um. But I mean a lot of what we're seeing is a generation that hasn't been raised to abide. Because but they've been raised to have pizza parties at church. But we haven't actually trained our children how to what it is to abide, what it is to pray, what it is to have by yourself an encounter. And see, that's the thing that got me. When the Lord was saying start a house of prayer, I'm like, oh, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. How do you pray? I don't know how to pray because I pray, I contend. My kids were like, yeah, mom's going for a, to pray, which means she's going for a nap. Because I would go through my list, and in the first three minutes, I was like, okay, I'm finished with that. Now what do I do? I didn't understand what it was to talk to God, to share my heart, to have encounters with him, to worship him, to minister to him. I didn't understand that. And then what happened is he started showing up just for me. I mean, you know how you feel in here and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. I can feel the presence of the Lord and I'm I'm, I'm feeling just enraptured with his love. That happens one-on-one. He, he'll come just for you because he came just for you. He died. I'll go for the one. I'm leaving the 99. I'm going for the one. I'm going to go spend time with that one. Do you know why? Because they're spending time with me. Amen. All right. So, fruit. There's two kinds of fruit. There's the inwardly fruit and the outwardly fruit. Okay, the inwardly fruit is God is looking for His own character to be seen through you. He is looking for fruit. It's the Galatians five fruit. He's looking for love, patience, kindness, joy, long suffering. Da da da. You know the list. Okay, He's looking for this inwardly fruit. He is primarily say primarily looking for love, humility. Love, humility. When I started this, John and I used to build businesses. So I thought, okay, I got this. I'm going to go build a house of prayer, whatever. Beloved, I had so much pride, so much pride in my heart. And so my message came across through pride. And I'm thinking, these are just words. I don't, you know, the message wasn't hitting because the message was going through a filter of pride. Even though the message was right and the message was good, it couldn't be received. Because God is like, hey, you know what? As long as you have that, I'll be over here. Yep, I know. So, we're going to talk about that in a minute. We're going to talk about pruning. How many of you love to be pruned? Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Snip, snip. All right. The second is outwardly ministry or service to others. Um, So this outwardly ministry, what you saw us doing here, outwardly ministry, man, the harvest, the harvest, the harvest, the harvest, the harvest. God right now, what he's been doing with a lot of you is he's been pruning a lot of you. He's been pruning you. See, you thought it was the devil, but it, it wasn't. It was him. Because he's looking for fruit that's 30, 60, 100-fold. You may be producing 30-fold fruit. And he's like, man, that's so good. I think I want, it's time for 60. It's time we're going to move you into 60. But we're going to have to take your arms and your legs off. We're going to have to lop off that brain that keeps getting you into trouble. And and then we're just going to let you sit there like that for a season. And you're like... How many of you have been in that perfect storm season where you can't go here and you can't go there and you're like, I am so hemmed in. I'm so uncomfortable. I hate my life right now. Praise you, Jesus. I know you love me. (laughs) All right. So fruit, fruitfulness is about possessing love, humility, and purity first. Okay. So I want you, uh, I'm going to read this to you out of John Chapter 4, 36, okay? He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, but you have entered into their labors. So I want you to know something. There are people, saints, that have gone before you, and they are in the great cloud of witnesses right now. Many of you are going to be partaking in their labors because their labors are eternal, and a lot of the things that they did in their generation God is using you and bringing you to now partake of their labors and you are going to be bringing in the harvest of seeds that were sown for, I don't know, 2,000 years because their their seeds and their fruit is eternal and now here you go. That's why they're all up there going, come on, come on. It's time. It's time. It feels so good. Look at them. They're so beautiful. They're so ready. They're so hungry. They're so wild. So there's this eternal timeline happening right now, and I mean, everybody who's, who has a pulse can tell you there's an eternal timeline we've just stepped into. And the church is waking up. The church is going, you know, I think the way we were doing it probably wasn't working because we're surrounded by a bunch of people who are have been taken over by demons. Where were they? <laughs> yeah, they were there all along, but we are so busy going happy-clappy. We didn't know. We're like, oh, okay, now I'll pray. (laughs) Come on. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to hurt your heart, but I'm just saying, it's like, where of all these people that are now out of their houses or out of their parents' basements, where did they come from? (laughs) All right. You will bear fruit. External and internal. So God's definition of success for your life is actually fruitfulness. And so when you look at this, you go, oh, okay, okay. And and as Americans, we're thinking success, right? Everybody knows what success is. We live in Texas. It's big stuff. I got I got the big stuff. I got the big house, I got the big car, I got the big checking account. I got the big family. I can I, that's what I can tell you. I got the big family. Hallelujah. And it's not that God is saying I don't want to bless you with these things, but his idea of success is different. His success is that e- internal fruitfulness that will bear the success of the other stuff. But he's not looking for the other stuff without the fruit that is internal. He's saying, you got to look like me so you can go do with me. Like me, with me. Amen? So you might be successful when... These things happen, but you are not successful because these things happen. All right. Did you hear what I said? You're not successful because you got promoted and you have lots of money. But you are successful because Christ did a work in you. Therefore, your eternal success is his too. Because what happens is when Christ does a work in you, you're actually taking him with you everywhere you go. And even though we are born again and the seed of Christ comes in, that is an initiation. But then Christ, through this abiding, he'll come and take over our emotions, our minds. And I don't know about y'all, but a lot of people's emotions are out of control, but yet they're saved. But their emotions and their will and their minds aren't even coming into alignment with what's in this word. So it's like they live this this life because they're not abiding. So they're not allowing the transformation to take place, sticking their minds into and touching the mind of Christ in that place of prayer. Amen? All right, so talking with Jesus, number one. Number two, applying his promises. So Jesus is going to say something to you. He always talking, always talking, always talking. He's going to say something. And what you do is you apply those promises. How do you apply a promise? You just say, that. yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm going to write that down. Thank you, Jesus, that you said this. Okay? And the third thing is obeying his leadership. Okay? You can't talk to Jesus and then apply his promises, and then when he tells you to go do something, you're like, well like me with the house of prayer. I was like, well, you know, I really don't want to do that. Can't we do something fun? And he was like, okay, talking to me is not fun. <laughs> yeah, he like sent in a team of angels to kind of rework this up here. Anyway, all right, so really it is the most glorious thing that we can possibly do, Okay. So let's talk about pruning, okay? Let's talk about how these two go together because it's interesting. He put he talked about a vineyard. Again, Jesus was a carpenter, but he puts this in the premise of agriculture, and he doesn't just talk about, I'm going to plant a potato, and then you're going to harvest a potato. No, he actually talks about wine, and he talks about a vineyard and how a vineyard is harvested and how a vineyard is grown, which I think is just a beautiful picture. Um, And so in my life, in our life, we have, in your life, you've experienced a lot of ups and downs. You know when you're growing up and, and your mom and dad, like when they forgot to tell you that life went like this, and you just thought, As a child, it just went like this. Like I would just keep going like this until, you know, I died and I'd be very successful and leave my children with lots of money. And, but the thing about being a believer is that we can trust when we go through difficult seasons that God is at work and doing something on our behalf. You can have the confidence, I can have the confidence that this is in fact what's happening. When I was an unbeliever, all i knew was fear and trouble and heartache and panic and anxiety because i didn't realize that there was someone who w- who was working on my behalf but now i have the confidence in god's leadership that that's actually what's happening and so the it's interesting how he says you're going to be fruitful and then i'm going to prune you so you're going to be doing everything in these three areas, talking to him. What was the other one? Thank you. Applying his promises and obeying his word. Okay, so you're doing these three things, and all of a sudden, bam, you get your arm cut off. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a promise, and my promise is out here. Beloved, don't you know when, when you get a prophetic word Like I said last week, you better go sell your house. When you get a prophetic word, because a lot of times what the Lord will do, more times than not, is he's going to give you a prophetic word so that you can endure the wilderness or the pruning that is about to happen. Praise God. But if we respond rightly to the pruning and we're not trying to bind up the father going, I just rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> He's like, oh, somebody go down and help them. Or we think to ourselves, or we start focusing on the people that God let prune you And we start saying it's their fault. If they didn't do this, I wouldn't be in trouble. I've been through that season where I camp out on being mad at the people. And if those people wouldn't have done that to me, then I wouldn't be in the trouble that I'm at. Guys, I am telling you, God will let them do that to you. He lets them because it does a work in us. So pruning is, a, the, is positive from God's point of view. It's actually very different from discipline. He does not prune us regarding sin. If we are in compromise, then the Lord will come and discipline us because he loves us. And he wants us to get back to the place that we need to be. If we are being disobedient, if we're in compromise, if we're in sin, he lovingly is going to pull us back or a brother's going to come call you out on it. And beloved, when a brother comes out or a sister comes and, and calls you out on your stuff, you better listen. They're doing you a favor. You know, most people pay other people to tell them all the stuff they're doing wrong. It's called coaching. But when a Christian goes and does it, they're like, I can't believe they said that. All right. Sorry, that was free. All right. I'm getting through these 15 pages. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, page two. That, that would be my, my staff. Thank you, guys. They know me. The thing about pruning, if we're confused about what's happening and we misunderstand, then we'll respond wrong, wrongly. <clears throat> when we are pruned, he's saying, you get those big three out. You get those big three out again, and you do those like your life depends on it. I always tell a lot of my uh, young disciples, I said, look, if you go out into the driveway and it's hailing, you better put the car in reverse and get back under the covering of the Lord. You get back in that place and you're in a season where your abiding has become more intensified. You need to, to double time it. Like, again, like you're taking medicine for cancer. It's like, all right, Lord, I realize that I'm in a season of pruning. I'm going to press into you even more. And a a great analogy is uh, an avocado tree that I just ordered. How many of you have ever ordered off fast trees? (laughs) I like everything like now. (laughs) So I ordered an avocado tree. From fast trees, and it comes, it's a big tree, and it comes in a box through the mail. (laughs) So I was like, Well, I don't know how this is gonna work, but I'm gonna get an avocado tree. And so they send it to me. I I I pull it open, and it's like its leaves are like not looking good. And so I go online and I'm thinking, they sent me a dead tree. (laughs) And so this is what they said: if you get your tree. And it looks, the leaves look dead. They're not dead. What happened is before we sent it, we over pruned it so that all of the energy from the tree would go to the root system to protect it before you planted it in the ground and it can begin to grow again. And I was like, oh, that'll preach. (laughs) <laughs> and so, uh, so I planted it, and I watered and watered, and everybody would be like, I think that tree is dead. I think that tree is dead. I mean, people were coming to my house going, what's wrong with that tree? I mean, it was, it was but I can tell you that tree has come back, and I've got a beautiful avocado tree. <laughs> so what happened, for those of you who followed that analogy, okay, is that when the Lord prunes you and you feel overpruned? what he's doing is he's trying to force you into a heart season with him where all of your energy goes into connecting with the vine to go deeper in love, okay? Deeper in humility. Remember Paul, when he first started his ministry, he kind of thought he was all that. He was like, Yeah, I know the word. You fishermen, man, I know the word. Let me just tell you about it. I'm the greatest of Pharisees. And by the end of his ministries, he was saying, I am the least of all apostles. And the more that you grow in your root system, the more you realize you don't know anything opposite of the vine. I can't leave the vine. I have to hold on to the vine. The vine is my life. The vine is my instruction. The vine is my health. The vine is my health. Help, health, safety, provision. You are my everything. I don't do anything unless I get it from the vine. Amen? Grow, girl. Grow, boy. (laughs) All right. This Zoe force, this supernatural force is the very thing that comes out of your mouth. It is your words are weighted with it. Your words are infused with it. This is where parenting comes from. This is where marriage comes from. When you are releasing Zoe life, when you're releasing an anointing from being connected to the vine, there is a supernatural element to the words that you're saying that are transformative to the ones that are receiving it. I spent some time ministering to some women who had just come out of prison. And I'm sitting around with them and we're just talking and everything. And it never failed. These were women that would, they were coming and going from this halfway house. And I'm not kidding you. They would always end up in my lap. I, I, I mean, these are grown women. I'm not saying anything special. I'm just releasing a supernatural love to them. I'm releasing Jesus to them, and their response is, I just need to lay my head in your lap. And they'll gather around me, and it's just like, okay, here we are. Which makes ministry really easy. You know, you're like, well, I'll just show up and just shower you with that. You know, you remember Pigpen? Remember Pigpen? He had that fog of stuff all around him, you know, the kid that never bathed. Well, it's like that, but in the spirit, it's like we have this cloud of glory around us, and other people can pick up on it. Now, the woman in the video who was saying, "Uh, uh, uh, that pastor is special. There's absolutely nothing special about me, because this kind of Zoe life doesn't depend on personality, and it doesn't depend on intelligence, and it doesn't depend on anything. You can be a uh, uh, Harvard grad, and I'm telling you this Zoe life is gonna work better for you than that than all of that intelligence. They were touched by Jesus because he is the source. All right, let me see if I can get through this. How are we doing? Oh, four minutes, forty four seconds. All right, there are, there are three things that I want to tell you which you can experience when you're in the pruning, and it's going to hit about three areas. It may hit more than this, but primarily you're going to feel it in your finances, you're going to feel it in your relationships, and you're going to feel it in your reputation. <clears throat> Those are the three primary areas that I have experienced and I've been doing this for 20 years, and I've gone through, oh gosh, pruning about every two to three years. And you're thinking, oh, not again. But again, fruit. I want fruit. I want fruit that remains. And I'm looking for the hundredfold. I mean, I don't mean to be, you know, competitive or anything, but come on, man, let's go for the hundred. Let's not settle for the 30. And so if he needs to prune me, I'm like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Take it off. I don't need it. It'll grow back like three arms are going to grow back in that spot. So if you're experiencing some of that, I just want you to be encouraged today. I want you to be encouraged today. If you're feeling betrayed or or pressure, ask the Lord, is this you? Because if it is, I just embrace it, Lord. I say, come on, do your best, man. Help me to get through it. Give me the grace to sustain myself in love through this and to grow in love. The Father's zeal for our good is greater than our ability to get ourselves there. We cannot do it. You can't see what the Father sees. You can't see what he sees in order to get you where he needs you to go. He is so invested in a hundredfold fruit from you, especially in this generation and especially with what's going on. That he's saying, it is time and all of the pruning that I've been doing, watch, now comes the season of fruitfulness and now comes the lions that are going to begin to roar in the land. And so Father, let's go ahead and stand. So Father, I just thank you